0: to The Journey podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. You know, there are times whenever I get to speak um, where the worship is just so good. We're just like, man, let's just pray and wrap it up. Let's just go home. That was One of those, that just kind of happened just now. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm still gonna speak, don't worry. We're, we got a good word tonight, but um, wow, man, that was good. Um, he, he is our living hope. And, his word is living. And so we, we approach it uh, in season, out of season, in COVID, outside of COVID, every single week because we know it's living and active and that God himself is speaking uh, to us. He's, he's our, our living hope and he's brought to us and given us his living word that he speaks through. I remember um, a stage that I was going through uh, in my childhood where I was really um, into, you know, like motocross and like rollerblading and dirt bike and all that thing. It was, it was kind of a big deal. It had kind of its few years there, um, I, I think, especially for like millennials where that was a big thing. There was like this Disney movie, like this motocross movie. I, I see some nods out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, well, here, here's the thing. It's, it's all good to watch people do that. It's an entirely different thing to go actually do that stuff yourself. But I had in my mind that I was going to be this like really great rollerblader and skater and all that stuff. And so I had asked specifically for Christmas, I had asked my uh, parents if they would get me, uh, you know, the, the knee pads and some sweet rollerblades. And I imagine they were just from Walmart, but I, I, I would have thought that they were like from the pros, like signed by the pros, the same stuff that they used. And I was really excited. I went out to a skate park in Abilene, Texas. We had to travel about 45 minutes to get there. And I was envisioning myself. I don't even know what, what they're called, but kind of going into what is it called like the the bowl like no like a half pipe or something like that going into that and flying out and like you know doing a thumbs up in the air going by and I just knew it was going to be awesome so I get to the park I'm strapped up and I go into one of the the half pipes and I go down into it and then everything's good and then I start coming up and I'm like Oh no, what happened? And before I know it, this great moment that I have waited for, I just knew this is going to be awesome. It ended as I was on my butt crying as all these older kids were looking at me, waiting their turn to to jump in to this half by little skate park area. And so in that moment, what I realized is the anticipation, the greatness that I, I really wanted to experience Uh, was in contrast with reality that that, that I'm not a skater, never really been built for it, honestly. Um, And it was just never gonna happen. And so tonight, when I bring that up, I think a lot of us um, are in pursuit of greatness, whether we believe it or not. And so, originally, when I was going to preach this message, um, it was it was May fifth. I was I was ready to go, and that night, really at midnight, uh, Caitlin went into labor. And so, what really this message was really geared for was for our journey graduating seniors. Um, but I'm kind of thankful now that some time has passed because uh, shout out to our incoming freshmen uh, here at Southcrest. They've just uh, graduated high school. They are watching from their uh, senior retreat right now out in East Texas. So shout out to you guys. I know you're watching. We're, we're eager for you to, to jump in um, and, and join us uh, as we start meeting in person. And we're looking forward to getting to, to know you better. But this is also uh, for you. But in, in general, I think for everyone, this idea of, of wanting to experience a great life, wanting to at the end of your life. I think it's fair, right, that we would say I would like on my gravestone to, for something to be like, man, she really, she really knew what it was to experience greatness. The hard thing is, is that for a lot of us, um, our definition of greatness uh, can be off. Just like like mine, I thought the climax of my life as a little kid was was getting those rollerblades tightened up, and as soon as I was on my butt with my you know, back looking to the sky and you're like, this ain't it. <laughs> this is not where I'm going to find it. And so the real question that we need to ask tonight, I think, um, just to make sure that, that we're, we're in line with God's word is we need to ask ourselves in the eyes of Jesus, what does it look like to be truly great? Like when, if God could just make it so clear and just say, this is what it means to be great. What, what does that look like? And I think we're going to get that answer tonight. And I'm going to go backwards just for a second. I believe every single person, because we're created in the image of God, is wired to want to taste and see greatness. That's every single person, believer or non-believer. We want to be great. We want to taste it and see it. And God has put that in our hearts so that hopefully we might, we might pursue that greatness and find, hey, it's only in Him. Now, check this out. As believers... The Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in us. And so this isn't a new age type teaching. This is actually Christianity. Greatness, because the Holy Spirit is in us, greatness is actually within us. And as as Brandon touched on last week, as we're going through the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, we're going back to love, which is the first one this week. We know that it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live this fruitful life. And so we don't white knuckle ourselves into love and peace and all that. It's something where we're praying and we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit to produce that in our lives. And so as believers, which is gonna be most of us watching tonight, I have a word for non-believers as well, but we know that greatness is not only something that we desire and want, but we actually have access the greatness of the Holy Spirit is present in us. So I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus's answer for us tonight. We're gonna to be in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, if you'd read that with me. It says this, "'But when the Pharisees heard "'that he had silenced the Sadducees, "'they gathered together. "'And one of them, a lawyer, "'asked him a question to test him. "'Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? "'And he said to him, "'You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, "'with all your soul, and with all your mind.'" This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what's been happening here is religious leaders, the Sadducees and Pharisees are kind of gathering up on Jesus and they're basically asking him really hard questions, like questions of life, questions from their worldview, from the law, the Torah, that are kind of derived as history goes on and maybe questions that are not, certainly objectively clear. They're hard to answer and they're just pelting Jesus with these questions. And they're kind of hoping for that guiding moment, you know, when he's just like, I-, I don't know, but they're never getting it. Jesus is continuing to answer these questions. And one of the questions that they pose right here in this passage, I would basically sum up of like, hey, what is, what is the greatest thing we could spend our lives doing? What's, what's the greatest commandment? Like if, if you had to, this won't happen, but if all the other commandments could be removed and like one remained, what would it be? And he says, to love of the Lord your God without your heart, your soul, and your mind. So what is the key to true greatness? What is, in the eyes of Jesus, what does he say is truly great? First, he says, to love the Lord with all that you have. Where did I get that answer from? All that you have, he says, your heart, your soul, your mind. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, there. And if you notice, for those of you that really want to nerd out, um, Deuteronomy 6, 5 includes strength, I believe, with, with all your strength. You're like, wow, did Jesus misquote the, the Old Testament? I would tell you no. Here's what's happening we can um, bring in a guy who has a few more letters after his name than I do, such as like P, H, and D. You know, I have some after my name, but they're not PhD. And we could go into the difference between heart and mind and soul, and and we could really exposit that, which I think there's a fruitful place for that. But here's what I think we're getting at. I think he's saying, God has made you as a multifaceted being. You have a mind, you have a heart, you have a soul, you have a spirit. And it's debatable if those are different, if the heart and, and the spirit are different or whatever that may be but I think it's saying with all that God has made of you, with all that you're made up of, give him that, love him with all that. And so you wouldn't love God with your mind, right? Like, oh, I love to study theology. I have like this thick book that I read every night and then come into worship here with your hands in your pocket. and just like, yeah, this is cool. Like that's no, you love him in spirit and truth with, it, with the mind and with the heart. And so this is what he's getting at. Love God with all that you are. I think for some of us, I kind of touched on it. Um, we kind of want to be like, yeah, like, I love God, but it's kind of like a, like a low-key love. Like, man, I'm just cool with Jesus. You know, like, I, like I'm good. I don't, I don't try to front it too much. I don't try to be too aggressive. You know what I'd say to that? If God has created us in his image, he's, recall, he's called us and created us to reflect his image, to reflect his love. Is God low-key about his love? No. Could you... How bad would it have been Jesus is carrying his cross and he decides to be low key with love? Guys, we're we're in trouble. He ain't getting on that cross with low key love. And so that's what I would say. We are designed, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to reflect God's love, to give him all that we have. Jesus obeyed this perfectly. He loved his father in heaven, submitted to it, obeyed him with all that he had, even giving his, yes, he did die for us, but ultimately he died for God's glory. He laid it all down for us. And so one I encourage that objection to when we feel kind of lackadaisical, when we feel kind of lukewarm is God kind of calls us to an all in love for him. We're in his word. We're seeking him in prayer. We're coming again very soon and officially and legally in person to worship together with our other brothers and sisters. Jesus is truly becoming our greatest pleasure and purpose. So the key to true greatness, what does Jesus see first? He says to love God with all that you are. You're made up of it. Like, a beautiful, complex human being. You have a mind, you have a heart. Give me all of that, he says. Give me all of that. Let's go back and read. That there's definitely more. In verse 39, Jesus says this. He said, there is a second, like it. So a second command kind of wrapped up in the greatest commandment. He says this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So apparently what Jesus has just said, to love God and love people, if you were to kind of just do that, he said that could summarize all the law. You look at at the law, you look through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy specifically, like Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you kind of kind of look at those laws and focus in, and it kind of is summed up to love God and love people. All these laws and and things were kind of invented because what? There was a contrast between that. They were supposed to be loving God, and they weren't. They were supposed to be loving people, and they weren't. So these things came up, and Jesus said, this is what all of these depend on. This This is the climax of it. So let's go backwards. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what is what is greatness in the eyes of Jesus? One, it's first to love God with all this you are. And I think what he's saying here is that we love others fiercely. And why, why did I say fiercely? You know what? I love myself. You love yourself. More than I love myself, I'm just joking. Wait, am I allowed to say that? You think about your own hunger more than anybody else in the world. You think about your own needs more than anybody else. You think about your own wants and your aspirations. You care more about your feelings being hurt than anybody else. You care more about there being injustice or lack of respect given to you than anyone else in this whole world. World. And look, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I think Jesus knows. He's like, this, this is going to make so much sense. If they think, how do I love myself? And then they grasp that and they say, that's how I'm supposed to love others. That's the idea. And so what it looks like is that we begin caring, for example, about others' hunger as much as we care about our hunger. We begin caring about others' feelings and emotions and how they may perceive our words and our actions as much as we would hope they would care about that for us. In the church, we have a lot of Christians who care so much about the slightest injustice. I would even put it in quote injustice or lack of respect that they're given. When Christians aren't praised by the world when it's there's just a little bit of opposition, we throw our hands up and like cry injustice. But when men like George Floyd are killed unjustly, we do not commonly especially here in the Bible Belt, throw our hands up and cry and wail and weep with those who weep. But Jesus is saying that that is how we're supposed to love others. You care about any respect that you think you deserve. You care about, you would care about justice for yourself. Think about Think about this, if you had a dream and what happened to George Floyd happened to you and you woke up, you'd be so upset. You'd say, why is no one helping? Why is no one doing anything? And Jesus is tapping into that love that you have for yourself. And he's saying, that's how you're supposed to love others. But church, this is not a political issue. I didn't have to pray very long about saying this. It's so clear. Someone is created in the image of God. Jesus says to love others as we love ourselves. It's simple math. And so, you're like, man, this is intense. That brother, he's back in the saddle. He's ready to go. No, look. Okay, so I say all that. Oh, that's, a, that's a lot of emotion. It's, it's fresh on our minds. How do we, what do we do about it? I'd say one, we have a podcast being released very, very soon, and, and we're going to um, address it. Um, Deborah Sudepe, um is going to be talking to another, another brother that, that we trust. I'm sorry to call you out there, Deb. I'm just really excited about it. Um, and we're going to have a conversation. We're going to address these in a healthy way. And guess what? We have to worry, like, these are our brothers and sisters who love God and love the word. And we're going we're gonna to open up a conversation about it. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, how, what do we do about it? I think we just, we, we step into it and we lean it. We realize what Jesus is saying. We know that, oh, this has got to be true. He has called us to love in this situation. And you hang on to that. You take just one simple step in that direction because most of us haven't done that. So one simple step in that direction. And you ask, who's the neighbor in this? It says, love your neighbor. Who's the neighbor? I think it's the people that are in your social circle from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Who do you interact with? Your your barista, your own family. A lot of us (laughs) have been around our own family. People in your, when you go back to class, people in your classes, people in your workplace, for those of you working um, from eight to 5 p.m., you know, a full day from when you wake up, from when you go to bed, who are you interacting with? That's your neighbor. Some of you, yes, physical neighbors. Bless them, show them the love of Christ. Problems like, I mean, call it a problem. Injustices, like what happened with George Floyd and so many similar things, are because a lot of people aren't loving their neighbor as themselves. They don't identify that. There's, there's all kinds of injustice around the world. But that's an example for us tonight. And a lot of you, if, if you're really listening and tuned in, you're like me, and that can be overwhelming, right? wow, that's a, that's a big need. Zach and I were just talking about like, man, what is, what is even a practical first step? Where do we do that? And i go back to, to talking about your neighbor. Start there. Who are you interacting with every day, no matter what? You, it's almost like, not in a bad way, you have to interact with a certain amount of people every day. Even if you're super introverted or extroverted, wherever you fall on that, start there and ask, am I loving those people as myself? Man, if the church just did that, i hang on tight. That's going to be, we're going to see the kingdom move. And so in in 2021, how do we pursue true greatness? In the eyes of Jesus, what is he saying? He's great. He's saying to love God with all that you have and to love others fiercely. He says, you know how, that you want to be loved so badly in every single way, love others in that same way. Now, what we just basically covered is is called the great commandment. They're asking Jesus, what's the greatest thing that we can do? Now, there's something also very beautiful in the Gospel of Matthew that is labeled great. And I believe that when we obey the great commandment, when we love God with all that we are, when we love others fiercely, I believe that the great commission is sort of a logical conclusion and application of that teaching. Let's go into it. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Flip over to it. Verse 19. Jesus says this 19 and 20 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, how is that obeying to love God with all that we are? Well, it says to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It means that if we're loving God with all that we are, we become, in a good way, consumed with God's glory. We become consumed. We, we just long to see people believe in, believe in the gospel and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We long to see his name glorified. That's one piece of the Great Commission. And then the other part is, how is that loving others fiercely is that we would go out anywhere God calls, locally, internationally, to places where like you're for sure gonna experience persecution, maybe in places that you, God would even call you somewhere where like it's almost for sure like your life is gonna be at stake every single day we go Going back to the dream illustration, I want you to pretend that you have had a dream and you are a non-believer and there are Christians all around you your entire life. And you watch in this dream, you watch yourself go through life. There are Christians all around you. There are thousands and thousands of churches all around you and none of them ever share the gospel with you because even though they know that apart from Jesus, you're going to hell for eternity and they never share the gospel. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna wake up in a sweat. You're gonna wake up upset and thinking, wow, why would they have not done that? Why did they not love me enough to do that? And that is the exact feeling that Jesus wants to tap into. And that's how he wants us to love others. Someone has loved you enough, whether it's parents or someone else, to share the gospel with you, even though we know from First Corinthians, the gospel is folly to those who are perishing. It's not a popular thing to tell someone that you are, your heart is sick and utterly desperate and you're a sinner apart. You have nothing good to offer God. No one wants to say that. But you have to realize that you are a sinner in the eyes of God before you even want salvation. And so it's, it's a loving message to tell someone the gospel. You were created for God and by God and you have not been living like that. You've been living the opposite of it. But God in his rich grace and mercy sent his son Jesus to die for your sins of which right now you still love and enjoy and swim in and bask in. But even then he still loves you and calls out to you and is saying, come to me, come to me and find salvation and find rest. Jesus wants us as a logical conclusion of the great commandment to see this and love others enough to tell them this message, even if it costs us a relationship, even if it costs us the friendship, even if it costs us our prestige, our job, our comfort, or whatever it may be, this, the great commission is a practical, logical conclusion of what it looks like to obey the great commandment. We talk about better before bigger. You're like, wait, we haven't said that in a while. Yeah, it's still here, it's still here. I think that one way that we can be better before bigger is we need to begin looking I think a lot of us have that love God piece. I think a lot of us generally like to go to Bible studies and and learn more about God and all that. I think a lot of us really struggle with loving others as ourselves. I think the journey has gotten a lot better than that. I hear about how welcoming we are, and that's, that's super encouraging. But a truth that I want you to lean into tonight, those that incoming freshmen you're, you're listening um those that are in this room um people in the journey that just graduated and are moving on to the next season of life or even all of us that are still kind of in a transition and what does it look like for the rest of my life to pursue greatness according to the definition of god what do i need to change something has my heart affections have they just been tuned into something that's like and another planet when when I look at what Jesus says is the key to true greatness or or maybe it 's just you 've been you 've been in that place where like you have been loving loving people, but it 's just been kind of discouraged a discouraging season you need kind of that oomph that encouragement and I would tell you as an application for all of us tonight let 's tap into let 's lean into let 's step in to this definition I am so looking forward for us to be back together, like in person. It's gonna be awesome. I'm looking forward to this fall as well. Um, This is not an isolated, disconnected series. It doesn't have anything to do um, with where we're going. Um, I I think in my life, what I've experienced, just to kind of close, we're gonna have the band come up here in a minute. Um, I think what I've experienced is that a lot of the things that I think are really great and, and worth pursuing, as I kind of bring that in alignment with the word, uh, the Lord often kind of shows me that it's, it's not those things, it's not career success, it's not um, prestige or, or whatever. It's actually something simpler and, and sweeter. Um, so my, my encouragement to us tonight as you're listening Let's pray, because it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us, let's pray this prayer, that God, you would empower us. Holy Spirit, you would empower us to love you with all that we are. God, sometimes my, my mind feels like it's there but my heart is, is, is disconnected. Like God, bring those in alignment. You've created all that so, so you can, you have control of all those things. I'm praying that God help me to love others, right? Love others the way that I love myself. That's going to be a, a long process. It's going to be your whole life. We know that this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the first one listed. First Corinthians 13 says, and the greatest of these is love. And so that's why I think that love, a lot of these things kind of flow from that. So pursuers of greatness, mine included. Let's be Truly great, according to God's definition. Let's pray, Father. I thank you so much um, for just the opportunity to open up your Word to that you speak so clearly about how we are to live our lives. I I'm confident that if we give ourselves to to this tonight, that many other things will overflow. That it will not be a life wasted and. Um, I don't have control over anybody's response tonight, but I do pray that, that those who hear this, God, that they would, um they would long for true greatness according to your definition, that that those who listen to this, God, maybe even half of the people that hear this um, would take this and, And at the end of their lives, their their life would just be a banner. It would be a flag, just waving your goodness and glory, just waving and reflecting your love in such a way where people that interacted with them, their neighbors, would have known the gospel because they chose today, I'm going to be great according to what Jesus says is great. We pray this in your awesome, beautiful, and holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. You can learn more about the Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for At The Journey LBK.